you. Thank you, Brother Al. I need to clarify that. I didn't volunteer for this. <laughs> what I observed last year, and I've observed it for the last two years, is that Brother Al carries a tremendous load here. Getting this encampment organized, I mean, he knows things no one else knows. And he gets things done that no one else does. And uh, I thought, you know, that's not, that's not fair to him. So I offered if I could help in any way. But then about, well, I don't know, January or so of this year, he called and asked if I'd do this. That would take a load off his plate, save him looking for someone else. <laughs> so we're here. Thank you for coming out this early morning hour. It's nice to see you. Those who are interested in, in, uh, in studying the word of God. You've all received, I believe, one of these little yellow sheets. We'll note that a little later as, uh, as we go on. <clears throat> Since last year, a year ago, have any of you suffered any disappointments at all? You have? Have any of you doubted God in any way this past year? Has God answered all of your prayers since last year? He has answered all of them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I suppose we've all questioned God in some way. Why doesn't he answer my prayers the way I want them? Why didn't I get that job? A lot of people have asked me that. Why didn't I get that job? Why did I lose my house? A lot of people lost houses. Why did I lose my house? And the only answer to the why question that I know of is Jesus. Jesus. You see, in Jesus, God gave us a face. In Jesus. If you've ever wondered, wondered, uh, where is, where was God when I needed him? If you've ever wondered, does God care? Does he, does he care what I'm experiencing right now? Does, does, does he even bother to, to take notice? Then I'd like to encourage you, look at the face of Jesus. Now, Jesus did not solve all the problems of doubt. He didn't solve all the problems of pain. He didn't solve all the problems of death. We still experience death. We still experience pain. We still have doubts. But he did signify the answer to the question, does God care? That is settled. And so this week, we're going to look at the amazing, loving, faithful God that we have. And that he is a God that's worth committing our lives to. He's a God who's worth trusting, even when we do doubt. He's a God worth trusting even when you 
when you feel that your prayers aren't being answered or he's not listening to you. And so I've chosen in helping to answer that question, the Bible character, Peter. Um, Do you have a Bible character you identify with? Do you? Peter's mine. I'm so much like Peter. Talking when I should have been listening, you know. As I said last night, he has a mouth shaped like a foot. His foot seems to be always in it and so forth. And so as you look at your outline that you have this morning, uh, we're going to talk about uh, Peter's uh, family and his uh, occupation and so forth. Uh, Peter's family, his father was John or Jonah. He was married. His wife's name we do not know. He had a brother. If there were other siblings, we do not know if they had other siblings or not. He, is, uh, he was married, and the reason we know that is that uh, in John chapter 1, Jesus heals his mother-in-law. You recall that story, Jesus healing the mother-in-law. Whether they had any uh, children, we do not know. But according to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, the Apostle Paul shares with us that Peter's wife would sometimes accompany him on his preaching tours. So she was a devoted, a devoted wife to him. Apparently, they had a, a very stable marriage for Peter to be able to leave her for periods of time and, and go preaching. His occupation? Fisherman. Apparently, according to Luke chapter 5 and so forth, Peter's father, John, and brother Andrew had a fishing business. And they were in partnership with a man by the name of Zebedee, who had two sons, James and John. That was their business. Their business was located on the Sea of Galilee. It was a very successful business. They were prosperous. They had servants. And they worked hard. Now, Peter was a strong man. To be a fisherman in those days required you to have strength. Because the nets that they used for catching fish, they would take those nets weighted at the bottom, stand in that boat, and then fling those nets out, draw them in with a catch. So it took a great deal of strength to pull in that boat, to pull in that net into the, into the boat. Peter was strong. But he also had a tendency to use physical violence to settle disputes. You know, he could fly off the handle like that. You know about the sword. We'll talk about that later. That was Peter. Uh, he, He could pick a fight over nothing. His interest... Peter was interested in everything. There was no disciple that asked more questions than Peter. He was always inquiring, what's happening? What's what's going to happen to him, Lord? Uh, What are we going to do next? Always asking, always asking questions. Looking for the answer so that that Jesus would share with him. His emotions... 
Peter had deep, deep emotions. In fact, Luke chapter 5 tells us, verses 4 and 5, tells us that Jesus had been preaching there at the Lake uh, Gennesaret. The crowd is pressing in so much that he has to step into a boat and just be offshore a little bit. When he's finished preaching, he says to Peter, uh, launch out and we'll, we'll get a catch. Peter said, Lord, I've been doing this all night and we caught nothing. No, go ahead, we'll get a catch. Lord, you may know something about preaching, but I know a lot about fishing. And you don't fish in the daytime. You fish at night when those fish can't see the net. No, Peter, listen to me. Go out. Launch out into the deep. Well, they do. And you remember, the net is full. Full. So much so that they have to signal for help. Come over. The result of that is that Peter falls down at the feet of Jesus and says what? Remember? Depart from me, I am a sinful man. Very, very emotional um, a person. You remember when Jesus was walking on the water? And they identified and he said, Lo, be, be at peace, I'm, I'm, I'm Jesus. What does he want to do? Immediately jump out. And walking, and he's walking on that water. <laughs> hey guys, this, you should try this. Uh, you should, you should, you should, you should, you should, you should, and he's going down. But that's Peter, that very emotional person. Remember, they were up in Caesarea Philippi one time, and uh, Jesus said to the disciples, "says uh, Who are the people around here saying that I am?" Oh, you're Jeremiah, John, one of the prophets. Jesus, who do you say that I am? Must have been some silence for a while. Looking at each other, who's going to answer that question? And then Peter comes up with it. You are the Christ, the Son of God. That's Peter. And when Jesus says he has to go to Jerusalem, remember, to be crucified and to be hung on a cross, and he's going to die, Peter says, Lord, you've got this all wrong. You've got this all wrong. And so it says that he rebuked Jesus. Imagine it. Rebuking Jesus. But that's Peter. That's the emotional Peter. In John, the 21st chapter, it tells us one time Jesus had breakfast prepared, getting breakfast ready for them on the seashore. And he calls out them, you guys got any breakfast ready yet? And John says, Peter, that's the master. It is. (laughs) Dives into the water. He had to get there before the others. But that's Peter, the emotional Peter. He's a man with his ups and downs. He's a man that uh, followed Jesus, but that following is so imperfect at times. That's the way I am. Maybe you're that way too. We have our ups. We have our downs. He knew what he wanted to do, but he just couldn't quite do it all the time. 
But spiritually, he loved, he loved Jesus. So when we take a look at Peter's life, we can identify with him because he is so much like us. Or maybe we should flip that around. We are so much like him. So what was it like for Peter to meet Christ? What did Peter receive when Jesus said to him, You are Simon. You will be Peter. Uh, in your outline that you have there, you'll notice we're going to talk about Peter and Jesus. Peter, first of all, in that first line, meeting Jesus. Peter meeting Jesus. Peter following Jesus. Peter following Jesus. And then Peter confessing Jesus. Peter confessing Jesus. You have your Bibles, open them to John, the first chapter. John chapter 1. <clears throat> and we'll begin looking at uh, verse 1. John chapter 1. Uh, 31. Yeah, John chapter 1, verse uh, 31, 32. We'll begin there. Um, let's drop down to 35. Verse 35. The next day, John stood with two of his disciples. Those two would be John and Andrew. And looking at Jesus as he walked, said, Behold, behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned, and seeing them following, said, What are you seeking? What are you looking for? And they said, Rabbi, where are you staying? Where are you hanging out? And Jesus said, come and see. And they came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. They had taken a leave of absence from the fishing business. They were now down with Jesus. Their hearts had been warmed by what they had heard from John. They wanted to hear more from the Lord Jesus. Here's a picture of these two boys, spiritual, inclined, spiritually sensitive, following John the Baptist, and he says, Behold the Lamb of God. And now he's telling them, You don't need to follow me. Follow him. Follow Jesus. Keep in mind, it's been 400 years, 400 years since there has been any authentic voice from God. The world was ripe for a deliverer. People's hearts were hungry for assurance. They were thirsting after righteousness. They wanted assurance of what's going to happen when I die. And John points him out, Behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. Here comes John. Kind of peculiar in his dress. Just a camel skin covering. The food that he eats, questionable. But his message, 
thundering. Repent, be baptized. Is fear? He has no fear. God's called him to a task. He will do that task. He will complete it. His courage was magnificent. Gave his life. John called sin, sin. He didn't whitewash it. He didn't say, well, you know, the culture is changing and so we have to be adaptive. To sit, John, sin was sin. In fact, he was quite popular because people from all over came to, came to hear him. The reason he was speaking to the basic needs of their heart. And they were hungry. And he filled that need. So here, Andrew and John following John. They're pointed out to Jesus and they start to follow him. Know something, dear hearts, that when you meet Jesus, you're never quite the same again. Never. What was it about what Jesus said that touched Andrew's heart? Was it the fact that here was the realization of what John had spoken of, the Lamb of God, that in this man Jesus was going to be the fulfillment of the prophecies that they had studied. So John was saying now, You don't need to follow me anymore. Follow him. Follow him. And so, one of the evidences that you have met someone and that someone is of tremendous interest to you is that you want to tell others about it. Tell others that you have met him too. So, here's what happened. Peter's nearby. We don't know why, because Peter's fishing business is up in the Sea of Galilee, about 50 miles north. John's preaching is down around the Dead Sea to the, to the south. And Peter is there. But he must have been very close by, because in verse 41 of this chapter, it says that Andrew went and got his brother. Peter, Peter, you won't believe this. We found the Messiah. Come on, let's go. And Peter goes. Picture it in your mind's eye if you can. And this is where it gets exciting to me. Here's a man, a fisherman. A fisherman from Galilee. Speaks with a little different dialect. A man from middle class. Doesn't understand a great deal. Um hasn't been to any kind of a rabbinical school, you know, not trained in, in any way. Uh, and he suddenly meets Jesus. Here's Jesus. Here's Peter. And when Jesus looks at you, it begs a decision. And Jesus is looking deep into the heart of Peter. And Peter's heart is warmed. 
Because when Jesus looks at you, you become different. Remember, no miracles have been performed. Peter hasn't seen a miracle. All he's heard is the words from John and Jesus. And Jesus says to him in that very first encounter, You are Simon. You will be Peter. We'll explore that later. What did that do to Peter? That must have put a a spring in his step. You are Simon, but you will be Peter. Who would have thought? Who would have thought this dramatic change would take place in this one man so quickly? It must have amazed Peter to realize that here he is a fisherman and now he's called to be an apostle. Who would have thought it? He doesn't know it yet, but God's beginning to work in his heart and life and involve him in a process that will take him the rest of his life. One of the things that Peter learned and that I've had to learn and you have had to learn, and that is that when God works in a heart, we need to give him time to cooperate with him along the way. Because what Jesus was saying to Peter, Peter, things are going to be different from now on after you have met me. Remember Pastor Carl last night talked about Bob and Karen? Think of the time that took to change their lives. God working every step of the way. They have to ultimately move. But God's got his hand over them. Leading them along the way. Till they become part of his family. Ready to meet a soon coming Savior. Once you meet Jesus and you respond to him. Things are never quite the same again. I met Jesus when I was just a teenager. My parents didn't do a lot of preaching to me. They modeled it. I grew up in the Congregational Church. When my parents became Adventists and I was getting up into the teen years, I, I followed them along. I wasn't excited about this Sabbath business. I wanted to get into sports. And you know what happens on Friday night. Dad calls me, Bud, come on, it's time to get ready for the Sabbath. Don't say that. The fellows would say, so long, Bud, have a good Sabbath. Finally, when I got older enough, I decided I had to make a decision. And so I took the word and I began to read. And you don't read very far into the word when you get introduced to the Sabbath. And I had to make a decision. And I made that decision to follow Jesus, the word. I followed Jesus. Um... You know, we all meet Jesus in 
different ways. Who would have thought that this, this mischievous little boy into trouble growing up, that God would call to the ministry and allow me to serve from 44 years in the ministry. A tribute to my church school teachers, my Sabbath school teachers, and my parents. We meet Jesus in different ways. It's amazing how we meet Jesus. I had a church member one time, Mrs. Rippon. She met Jesus in a dream. She had been attending church for several months. Uh, We tried to urge her to become a part of the family. She resisted. In fact, she went through, we had uh, Forrest Dedimore come, and she went through a whole series of meetings with Forrest Dedimore. You know, to go through a series with Forrest Dedimore, you have to dig in pretty hard to resist that. But she did it. After he left town, she was sleeping one night. And in this dream, she saw Jesus at the foot of her bed. And Jesus said to her, if you resist me and refuse me now, you will be eternally lost. She woke up with a start. She called me first thing that morning. She said, Pastor Bud, I I, I met Jesus last night and I want to get baptized. And she was baptized, remained a faithful member, but she met Jesus uh, through a dream. Sometimes we can meet Jesus up here in the mountains or down by the lake, seeing a reflection in that water or in a sunset. And that's where we need to be careful because, especially with people when they come in contact with us, uh, they know that we are followers of Jesus. They begin to read us, that we are believers. Um, and they expect something different uh, from us. Uh, we have to be alert to that because um, if we aren't, sometimes we forfeit the one opportunity we have of witnessing for Christ. If you meet Jesus and you represent, meet people and you represent Jesus, what are those people going to, to think about you? What are they going to think about your Jesus? On Wednesday mornings, each morning, I, um, I go down to the Carmichael Church and help the community service people as we distribute food. The most food we've distributed in one day, 9 to 12, is 333 people we fed. It's getting more every week. People are hurting. People are hurting. I also buy food for them to distribute. I look for bargains in the paper. We like to buy tuna for them because tuna is a good protein for them to eat. So I buy tuna when I can get it on special. And Safeway every once in a while has it on special. And uh, usually it's about 69, 79, 89 cents a can. Uh, But when they have it on special... They have it for 44 cents a can. And so I'll go down and I'll buy two or three hundred cans of it. They order it for me. I take delivery, pay them for it, and go. 
So the first time I did that with him, I bought this tuna, bought, paid for it, got in the car, and I got to thinking, you know, she didn't add that up right. It should have been more than $50. It should have been $100. So I got out of the car and went back in. And I found Sarah, the clerk, and I told her that. Well, she said, well, let's refigure. So she, we refigured it and discovered that she had shortchanged herself. Instead of 50-some dollars, it was $105. So we paid her the additional, and I left. Uh, two weeks ago, they had another special on, so I go down and buy another 300 cans of tuna. He comes in. She calls me and tells me he's in. And I go down to Safeway to pick up the order. Oh, she says, here's the honest man. Here's the honest man. What if I hadn't made that difference? And she discovers at the end of the day, she's short, you know. What would she have thought of me? And she knows I'm doing this for a church to help the poor and the homeless. What would she thought of Jesus? Now here's the honest man. What would have happened to the prodigal son when he came home if he met the elder brother first? Would he have ever come home? Would he have ever come back to the Father? When did you meet Jesus? I told you that I met him as a teenager. And meeting Jesus transformed your life. The gospel is full of people meeting Jesus in different ways. You remember the um, the woman, the Syrophoenician woman she met Jesus? She had this daughter that was demon-possessed. Remember the story? She comes to Jesus. She says, Jesus, please heal my... This, she's, the demons have possessed her. Please heal her. Jesus kind of ignores her. Not too interested. She goes, Jesus, please, please, Jesus, listen to me. Heal my daughter. She's crying out, embarrassing the disciples, you know. Jesus says, well, listen, it's not fit to take the bread, the children's bread, and give it to the little dog, the puppies. She said, I, I, I know that's true, Lord. But even the puppies will eat the bread, the crumbs that fall from the children's plate. And Jesus makes an interesting statement at that point. He says, because of this saying, because of this saying, showing the faith that she had, go, your daughter is whole. That's how she met Jesus. Remember the rich young ruler came to Jesus? What can I do to have eternal life, Lord? Go and sell, give to the poor. 
More than he could do right then. He turned and walked away sorrowfully. Left him. Left him. Jesus' heart is breaking. And you let him go. You let him go. And this is something that you and I need to learn in life. That when we introduce people to Jesus, they may not accept him that day. And so we have to trust that another day they will meet Jesus. He will speak to them again and not have a guilt trip about it. At home I work on a golf course. I get lots of ribbing about it. I'm a starter. Been doing this for about nine or ten years. Beautiful course, Robert Trent Jones course. I've done about 25 or 30 weddings there. I've done a couple of funerals, do lots of counseling. The men that I work with, my colleagues there, are, for the most part, they're not Christian men. All they're interested, golf is their God. Golf is their God. It's all they, they, they play golf every day. And I'm there, and they know I'm a vegetarian. They've offered me different foods and I don't eat it. Every once in a while, because the golf course provides food for us if we want to eat, they'll call out, Bud, you can eat what they have today. Or they'll tell me that they, they have something to, to eat. Oh, that's right, you can't eat that, can you, bud? I said, I choose not to. They, um, they'll be talking, a couple of them together, telling stories or, you know, shady things. Oh, here comes the bud. Can't talk about it. No, I've never said a word about it. Never said a word. No, they know I'm a pastor and so forth. Just the influence. Just the influence. What will they think of Jesus? They see me. We never know. That's true of any relationship. You have to meet Jesus that way. Meeting him is where Peter started. In Matthew chapter 4, turn with me if you will, Matthew chapter 4, you'll notice that After you've met Jesus, you want to follow him. Notice what Matthew chapter 4 tells us. Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw the two brothers, Simon Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting their nets in the sea. They were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Immediately. Going on a little way, he saw two brothers, James and John, sons of Zebedee, working in the boats, washing them. Follow me. And immediately they left their nets and followed Jesus. When you meet Jesus, you want to follow him. Not an easy decision. Remember, Peter is married. And to follow Jesus meant he's going to be away from his wife for some time. 
But when you meet Jesus, you want to learn about him. You want to know more about him. I spend several hours every day studying my Bible. I want to learn more about Jesus. I don't preach on a regular basis now that, you know, no one wants to hear an 81-year-old man preach much anymore. So I fill in. I'm a filler now. But I want to learn more about Jesus. While I know something about him, I don't know enough about him. I want to learn more about him. Do you? During the day, do you think about him? Do you have a quiet time with him? Do you read his word? I have a new Bible. It's the Andrews Study Bible. Ed's going to have them over here today. They're selling like hotcakes. He can't keep them in the ABC at Sacramento. They'll go fast. So if you want to treat yourself to a new Bible, get this Andrews Study Bible. There are four or five people from the college at the Walla University have had a hand in developing this with their study notes and so forth. Very good. You'll enjoy it. It's the New King James Version. But get that. Study it. It'll enrich you. You'll learn more about Jesus. Uh, don't be too anxious just to read it through. You know, there's nothing wrong with reading through the Bible so many chapters a day, what, five chapters a day and so forth. You can read it through in a year. But many times people read it through and don't... They, they have no idea what they read. Read it thoughtfully. Read it well. Read it faithfully. When you realize it's God's word speaking to us. And that's how you develop a relationship. If you want to have a family relationship, you spend time with the family. You want to have a relationship with Jesus? Spend time with Jesus. Talk about him. Talk to him and love him. And so this is true with Andrew and Peter. They gave their lives to serve him. And this is so true in our lives and also in our churches. Let's not get caught up in the side issues that are trying to make entrance into the into the church and the lifestyle of the church and the mission of the church. Keep focused. Keep focused. As our theme this week is, lift him up. Let that be the theme of your life. In Matthew chapter 16, just a few chapters over, Matthew chapter 16. Notice with you me verse 13. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 13. Matthew 16, 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some of John the Baptist and Elijah and others and so forth. But he said, Who do you say that I am? I want to know from you. Who do you? Must have been a pause. They looked at each other and wondered. And here's Peter again. You are the Christ, 
the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, son of John. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father, which is in heaven, has. You are Peter, and you will be. Who would have thought? Who would have thought that this man, a fisherman, out of his mouth would come those words up in Caesarea Philippi. You are the Christ, the Son of God. I submit to you this morning, dear hearts, that you and I need to have clear minds, clear thoughts, as to who Jesus is and what he has done for us. Our culture is changing. It, it seems that today you mention the name Jesus or pray in the name of Jesus and people are ready to explode when you use that name. Who would have thought? I'd like to suggest to us this morning that you and I need to have a conviction of who Jesus is in our lives. Who he is. He is the Son of God. The Savior of the world. He came to this world, died, was buried, arose, and is coming back. He is the hope of the world. You and I need to have that conviction. If your neighbor asked you one day, you know, I've heard about this Jesus. Could you tell me who Jesus is? Could you tell them who Jesus is? The pattern goes like this. You, uh, you meet Jesus like Peter did. And Peter became a believer. You follow Jesus and you become a disciple. You confess Jesus and you become a leader. Who would have thought it? Who would have thought it? It's a privilege this week to share these thoughts with you on, on Peter's life. To see how Jesus dealt with Peter because... Peter doesn't know it at this point, but he stumbles badly. He stumbles badly. Jesus eventually has to rebuke him. Peter is put down. But ultimately, Jesus picks him up. They have a walk, just the two of them, by the sea one day. And Jesus restores him. And later in the week we'll see how he becomes a dynamic leader in that early church. The speaker on the day of Pentecost. Thousands are converted. So I ask you this morning, have, have you met Jesus? Have you had a time when he's spoken to you? To be your Savior, your Lord. And your response. 
How is that status now? Are you still following him faithfully? Are you the light that he wants you to be in the community, the grocery store, the bank, the gas station, the restaurant? Is he the one altogether lovely in your life? Are you confessing Jesus? Remember, Jesus doesn't want a place in your heart. Jesus doesn't want to be prominent in your life. One among many. Jesus wants to be preeminent in your life. The first, the last, and everything in between. If you've met Jesus, and you're confessing him as your Lord and Savior, thank him. Thank him for that experience. You say, Lord, I want to know more. I want to grow more. If there are any here this morning that you have never met Jesus, today would be a good day to do it. Beautiful setting to meet him, to respond to him, to make that commitment, to follow him, to confess him, and get ready to meet him. Heavenly Father, thank you for being the God that you are, our Heavenly Father, and we are your children. Thank you for sending your Son, our Savior, to this world, for offering us now hope, hope in a despairing world. Jesus is our hope. Thank you for the gift of salvation. Thank you for your grace. As Brother Carl shared with us last night, the grace of the Lord Jesus, so undeserving and yet abundantly shared with us. Is there any here this morning, Lord, that have never met you, never accepted you? I pray that your Holy Spirit will speak to them just now. And at this day, they can meet you in a new, richer, fuller way. And that we will follow you more closely. And we will confess you more dearly. And we will walk with you until that day we walk with you into the eternal kingdom. And we pray this in your most holy name. Amen. Have a good day. God bless you. We'll see you back tomorrow morning.